Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 190, and tonight we're having a bonus episode, y'all, because FlameCon was so amazing that I don't want to wait another two weeks to talk about it, because I'm going to forget everything. And I'll explain all that later. And also, we are going to be covering the first half of the sci-fi double feature that I screened online a few weeks ago. And that is the 1966 super gay shocker, Queen of Blood. And oh my gosh, Daddy's in a giddy mood. Because Daddy hasn't had a headache in a long time. And oh hey, hold on a second. If you're new, hold on. Before I lose my mind here, and I am going to, please allow me to introduce myself while I still have a moment of sanity left. I am Patrick Walsh, and I am going to be your host for the next, oh, maybe hour, hour and a half or so, and every two weeks, normally, I am your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, but as seen through my very, 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 very gay little eyes. But before we get to that, I have to tell you what's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters. First of all, we have to get it out of the way. Boom, boom, smoochy watch. Dun, 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 what's going on with that cat? She licked her butt. Smoochy the cat licked her own butt. And I was so proud I almost cried. Now, some of you are wondering, big deal, you have a cat that licks their butt. No, you don't understand. She had gotten so fat. She had gotten up to 31 pounds that it was impossible to lick her butt. And the other day, she got up on the bed next to me and was like, hey, daddy, check this out. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wanted to take a picture of it, but it just seemed rude. Aside from that, her health has been great. She's been in a great mood. Everything's been fabulous. I haven't gone to the vet with her in over a month. This is a first. Daddy actually has money to spend. Another reason why Daddy's giddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's great. Okay, the other amazing thing that's going on. We now have what the press is calling a legitimate House of Horrors, right here in Sunnyside, Queens. As a matter of fact, it's right across the street from me. Yes, it's the building of that guy, that that condo manager, the building manager, that guy who I'm always complaining about on the show. You know, the one who is the alleged cat poisoner who runs around the neighborhood putting Trump bumper stickers on everything? Well, and some of you have heard he's an unregistered sex offender. Well, it turns out that's a lie. Okay, apparently... What's been going on outside of this building is nothing compared to what's been going on inside of this building. And the people in the building have finally started acting up. Apparently, it began when somebody in that building started putting up all these fake posters all around town saying it was from the police department, saying that he was a convicted sex offender, that he was arrested and served time for molesting a boy in Florida, and now he's living here unregistered across the street from the school. Well, it turns out that was a complete lie. However, that got the police nosing around the building. And now, 
all these tenants in there are filing a lawsuit because it is a legit nightmare in there. Now, I've told you, the exterior of the building is covered in patriotic nonsense. He's got these giant Uncle Sam statues right now guarding the entrance, and they look like fucking patriots from Bioshock Infinite. And all these, and he's got all, all the cameras and the lights that make daylight in my bedroom 24 hours a day and, 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 and all this other crazy stuff. But inside, inside the lobby. Now, you've heard. I've talked about there were rumors that there was a mural in the lobby of Obama with a flagpole up his ass. Well, if that was there, it's gone now. But there's plenty else in there. It's all this super hyper patriotic crap on every inch of the lobby. And also – swastikas and pictures of Hitler and of Mussolini and of Emperor Hirohito and images of of Al Capone mixed with quotes from Martin Luther King. It's insanity. You could go home after a hard day's work, have to walk through this lobby, which is also filled with huge gun imagery and, and racist Jim Crow imagery and, and you know, you're really – anyway, just really – awful awful racist caricature stuff and you have to walk through this lobby and then you get to your door and there's a swastika over your door because apparently if you complain about anything you know those trump bumper stickers that i told you that he keeps propping up like every day there's trump stickers on property that's not his you know public property private property government property never on his building They're, they've been go- that's been going on for well over a year now well evidently if you complain he'll put a swastika over your door and put trump stickers all over your door and there's been reports that he will let himself into your apartment and like break shit and put trump's stuff on your belongings it's fucking crazy in there and now our our homosexual councilman jimmy van bramer is cracking down on it he brought a news team in yesterday and there have been news vans around constantly they had a rally this morning i just came from it they let us in the lobby and i took pictures and one of the things that is amazing on the doorbell list the list of all the residents Something to which only he has access, by the way. It's under triple lock and key. Uh, so it's not like somebody else did this like the, the sex offender poster. It's got dead rappers like Tupac and Biggie Smalls and non-dead rappers like LL Cool J listed as living in the building. And also, as roommates, you have uh, Frederick Goebbels and Herman Hess. So Nazi Criminals are roommates in that building, according to that list, which would be a hilarious sitcom, but it's not a sitcom. It's real life. This is the kind of insanity that I've been living across the street from for, oh, eight years now, and if I had any idea what it was like in there, I I would have been freaking out because it's bad enough over here. You know, aside from all the dead cats and everything. But yeah, I talked to the press and I was at the rally and I am jazzed. I am so glad that hopefully this guy will be taken down. There's tons of investigation, there's shady legal things. Because apparently everyone's saying, well, isn't there a condo board? Well, there's no evidence of a condo board. It appears that he is the condo board. And if you've got a problem with that, well, you know what he does. And also, since a lot of people, it is a condo, a lot of people in there are renting as well, they will lose their apartment. He will jack up your rents. He will do everything possible to get you to move. So and terrorize you until you go. And that's what's happening here. Oh my God, it's crazy. I've got pictures on the Facebook page. If you really want to see them, I'll put them on the Fa- Scream Queens page as well. But by all means, 
Come on over to Facebook and join Screen Queens, the podcast where horror cast gay, and you can see inside the sunny side house of horrors. And it was kind of amazing because last night when the news van started to arrive, the entire block has been like a tourist attraction for 24 hours now. There are just people walking. Out. I was giving tours to the exterior of the building. I'm like, oh wait, you got to point. You got to see this thing over here. You got to see this thing. Oh wait, you got to see the 20 foot flag that's lit up with rope lights that's hanging over the garbage. Thing. Dumpster. That's the word I'm looking for. The dumpster and also adorned with crucifixes. It's insanity! It's insanity! So that's what's been going on there. Really, not much else has been going on. I've been super busy. I've been working on the show and FlameCon was a big commitment and, and, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Now, some of you are probably wondering, Patrick, what's FlameCon? FlameCon is described as a two-day comic arts and entertainment expo showcasing creators and celebrities from all corners of LGBT geek fandom. Geeks of all types are invited to attend and celebrate the diversity and creativity of queer geekdom and LGBT contributions to pop culture. So yes, it's like Comic-Con, but super gay. So it was all gay sci-fi and fantasy and anime and cosplay and gaming and a little teeny tiny bit of horror. Now, I went the first year, some of you remember. This is its third year. Uh, horror was severely underrepresented. I only saw two booths that had really anything at all horror-related. Well, three, if you count the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast booth. And they were there, and they were one of the highlights of the weekend. But uh, for the most part, it was just Mark Patton from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, of course. He was there, and he did a fabulous panel with Vince Rodriguez from... Uh, my crazy ex-girlfriend, uh, not my crazy ex-girlfriend, just plain old crazy ex-girlfriend, about queer Hollywood then and now, and Mark tore it up, telling it how it was back in the day, and making sure that these young people that were there today understand that it was not so long ago that being gay and out would keep you from getting a job, that they would single you out and you would not work. And we are on the precipice of this possibly happening again, and he was just ordering vigilance, and it was really cool and really great. And I was very proud of him, and I was gushing and crying. And the thing is, I stumbled across him by accident because I'm just walking through the vendor mart, la, 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 and I heard a guy all of a sudden mention how great Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 was. And you know me, I snapped around, and I had to say, the lady at Sears says it was the same dress that Elizabeth Taylor wore to the Oscars. And then we're talking and gushing and gushing and gushing. And then I'm realizing that he had been talking to Mark Patton. And in the middle of this, I was like, oh, hi, Mark Patton. And we had a very brief conversation. I was hoping to get to talk to him more, but our schedules kept conflicting. But that's okay. He's a good man. He's a wise man. And Felicia Rose from Sleepaway Camp was supposed to be there with him because they're working together a lot now. And if you're following them on Facebook or Twitter, which I highly recommend because their feeds are so much fun, particularly their stuff together, they are like the Lone Fontaines of independent queer horror movies right now. And I think they are an adorable couple. And I was disappointed because apparently every time Felissa Rose goes to a convention, people keep giving her dildos. So I brought this huge bag of dildos for her. And I was like, Mark Patton, I have this huge bag of dildos. What am I going to do with them? And he told me what to do. Okay, that part didn't happen. That part didn't happen. What else? The only other person representing there was author Simon Graves, who uh, wrote a book called Find Em, which is an uh, anthology about horror stories that happen uh, through a grinder like app. And 
I had met him the first time, and he's super cool and devastatingly handsome. And I was talking to him. My, I, I just kind of was like, <laughs> I can't look directly at your big blue eyes because I'm just gonna like my my panties will just fall off through my pants, which would be weird. They'll just roll out the bottom of my shorts and onto the ground, and that would be really embarrassing. I'm sure that happened to him all the time. And I'm terrible when I go to these things by myself because I suck at pictures, and I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. I, I just don't do it. And then I, I, I don't have the chutzpah that I would normally have to go up and talk to people because I've said on this show before, when I've got a microphone in my face, I'm the bravest person on earth. When it's face-to-face, I can be a little shy, especially when it's one-on-one. But whatever and what have you. However, the buffering the Vampire Slayer ladies were there, and that's Jenny Owen Young's and her wife, Kristen Russo. And I got to talk to them quite a bit and it was it was worth it because their podcast has meant a lot to me was you guys know what i was like in november two three things were getting me through life one was the great british bake-off because nothing bad happened there except occasionally you might get a soggy bottom and also my favorite murder and buffering the vampire slayer cast just gave me life and gave me so much joy if you don't know what the show is they go chronologically episode by episode through every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and they review it with all this joy and feminism and and humor and fashion and at the end they perform an original song based on the episode that they covered. They're fantastic and I love them and it was great to meet them and chat with them as much and and tell them about the show and they are excited because we keep winding up on the same list like, oh, we've seen you on the list. I'm like, I know, I've been on the list with you, bitches. I didn't call them bitches because they would have been like patriarchy, but that's not the point right now. And uh, they got to, they performed a concert live and I got to see a live taping of them. So when you hear their episode that is on Dead Man's Party, from season three, I'm there. You might hear me going, ha, 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 really loud because I did that a lot. You know, a little bit too loud because I, I was just so hyper excited and it was embarrassing and stuff. What I loved about their coverage of Dead Man's Party is that 90% of the episode was about Joyce's girlfriend, Pat, and their possible lesbian relationship, which is not in the episode at all, but, you know, it's there. Come on, Pat. Come on, Pat. Take your sexy empanadas and your schnapps and get out of here. I love Pat. She was so creepy, but okay. The other thing, and I'm hoping to close out this segment with a bit of music. I'm hoping that they're going to give me permission because one of the first things I got to see was uh, I was just passing through and I saw that there was a group performing called Choirfly. And they're an acapella group based on geekdom, gay geekdom, LGBTQ geekdom. And I was like, okay, this ought to be a laugh. They're probably – they were not – terrible they were fucking fabulous their sound was tight their cutoffs were great their music was fun and i asked i told them you guys were one of the highlights of the weekend for me what a treat what a treat i sent them a message and then i said can i maybe use some of your music they're debating it right now if i get the music that will be the outro for this segment if i don't get the music i still love your performance ladies and gentlemen and how and 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 whatever gender you subscribe to because I don't I don't know what to call a group of people I guess you're all them so congratulations all of you okay I just keep walking into puddles like this because I don't know how to deal with the youth today I don't know what to call people and it's 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 a minefield and I'm doing my best the old dog is trying to learn new tricks so Flamecon while horror wise was a bit of a disappointment 
it was really exciting to see so many young out people in a safe place enjoying themselves. It was exciting. It was endearing, especially the second day. On Sunday, they let anybody under 21 in for free. So there was some really young participants there. And I got all mystic because I said that you guys have this, and I'm using guys figuratively. You know what I mean. You kids, I'm using that figuratively too. God damn it. All you, you young folk have something like this to come to, to be out in, and to enjoy each other in this kind of a place. And that is something I could not dream of at your age. And I hope you know how fucking magic that is. And even if I'm standing on the outskirts today, I am thrilled to be a part of it anyway. And so hats off to Geeks Out, the group Geeks Out, for putting this all together, and for Joey Stern for being fucking fabulous. And also for listener Vanessa, uh, Vanessa McGannery, who won tickets to it through her softball league and then couldn't go. So thank you for giving them to me. That was super nice of you. And that's going to wrap up this segment. And if we have music, I'm going to be playing it now. And if not, we're just going to... I, I, I don't know what we're going to do. I guess we'll just go right into Queen of Blood. But hopefully there's music. There was no music. The year... 1990. The problem of traveling to the moon has been solved for many years. Space stations have been built there, and authorized personnel come and go as they wish. But the moon is a dead world. And the great question about space still remains. Does life exist on another planet? To seek an answer to this question, the major powers of the world have been actively preparing at the International Institute of Space Technology to explore the planets Venus and Mars. So the main feature this week is going to take us into the depths of outer space. So climb into the space capsule with me, brave traveler, while we blast off and face the Queen of Blood. Wait a minute, Patrick. Aren't you the Queen of Blood? Well, yes, I am, but it's not that Queen of Blood. It's not a movie about me, even though it was was about me. It would be amazing, but it's not. It's not. It's a movie from 1966 that stars the... Eternally studly John Saxon, and it's produced by the infamous Roger Corman. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Queen of Blood. A tantalizing, mystifying enigma. gorged herself of fresh blood. She's a monster. We have a good supply of blood plasma with us. We'll use that to feed her. And if we run out of plasma, Commander? I wish this was more of a video podcast because that trailer didn't have a lot to it. 
audio-wise, but my goodness, visually, it was so lurid. It's so wonderful. It's so tacky in that wonderful 1960s exploitation kind of way. At one point, it actually calls the Queen of Blood a deathless wish who devours men. Ooh, I would love to be called a deathless wish. Witch. Well, whatever. Or we you call me deathless wish, too. Anyway. Now. Earlier in the month, I screened Queen of Blood along with Planet of the Vampires as part of the first Scream Queens retro double feature. And I went all out. We had coming attraction features. We had intermission features. And thank you to everybody who showed up because it was much more fun than I ever expected it to be. And it made me enjoy the movie that much more. Now, you're probably wondering, Patrick, where's Planet of the Vampires? Well, we're going to get to that another time. The thing is... And I've probably already talked about this in the intro section, but since I don't do anything in order, you're just going to have to deal with me. Yes, in two days, I'm going to have guests on, and we're going to be talking about Deadly Lessons, that made-for-TV movie from 1983. Right? Of course right. Yes, but the thing is, I've already set the pattern that if we talk, if I have guests on, it's a shorter show, minimal intro, chat, and no voicemail and outro stuff, okay? Just to keep everything on a nice time crunch so we don't have 85-hour-long episodes. Now, I'm afraid if I let the FlameCon stuff sit till the beginning of September, I'm going to forget a lot of the good stuff. So I wanted to bump this up a little bit more. And the thing is, it has now been so long since I've actually watched the movie and I can't find my notes. It's best for me to just get right on top of the Queen of Blood right now and start pumping away. I mean, start reviewing the movie. God damn it. That was disgusting. I can't believe you said that. I would never. No, really. I would. I would never. Because it's like. A girl, no offense, but you know, I got my, you know, I got my preferences and stuff. Anyway, Planet of the Vampires will come. I do want to visit Planet of the Vampires again in a less social setting because it's, it was a more subdued movie. And yes, there's lots of fabulous stuff to talk about, and we will talk about it possibly in October during the Halloween marathon or whatever the fuck I'm gonna call it this year. So here we are, and the Queen of Blood. Picture it. It's the bright and shining future. The faraway future of 1990. Yeah. And space travel has become more and more common. We're jetting back and forth to the moon all the time now. We're about to launch the first, like, travel-type ship to Mars. And here we are at the International Institute of Space Travel. And and it's all fabulously both futuristic and retro at the same time. And our hero, John Saxon, is, of course, one of the astronauts that is here all about the glorious future of space flight in the glorious future of 1990. And apparently, and remember this, remember this in 1990, remember that in 1990, everybody walked around wearing white quilted jackets all the time. All the time. And you would wear a mustard, mustard shirt with it and mustard pants. And you look like a Century 21 real estate agent. Except with this, like, quilted northern toilet paper jacket. And, you know, remember those days? Those were fabulous fashion days. And heading up the Institute is Basil Rathbone. Now, if you're a fan of classic cinema or you're just really old like me, you will know that the name Basil Rathbone is instantly associated with Sherlock Holmes. He played Sherlock Holmes in every goddamn movie in the 30s and 40s and possibly into the 50s. I don't know. This is what this guy did. He found his niche and he rocked it. But now we've got Sherlock Holmes in outer space. Whoa! And he's leading up everything. And he's fabulous in this because 
as I said, we did the group screening of it, and I had already watched the movie in advance, and I had already learned that Basil Rathbone, A, couldn't remember his lines on set, and B, compensated for that by putting his leg up on shit a lot. So we made a drinking game out of it, so every time the leader of the space program put his leg up on something, it was time to drink! We got drunk. We got drunk. Anyway, Basil Rathbone has this urgent message to all of the potential astronauts at the Institute, International Institute of Space Technology, or IST, if you prefer, IST, 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 IIST, whatever you want to call it. Random sidebar, when you see the space astronauts later on and they have their helmets on, they have IIST on their foreheads, you know, on the helmet. In the screening, we're all like, what? Why did their helmets say fist? Oh, they don't. They say it, but it looks like fist. Fists in space. That's a whole other movie that we will never talk about here. Anyway, back to the movie. They have been receiving messages from space, from deep space, from an intelligent society way beyond Mars, and they're going to be sending an emissary to an emissary, an em- an ambassador to Earth to meet with everyone, and everyone's so excited. It's the first space contact, and everybody's singing and dancing. No, not really. They're not really, but they're, they're, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So the big day arrives, and nothing happens. They're like, hey, where are you? Everybody's all lined up looking at the sky like, hey, alien! I want to have your back. Come probe me, alien! That's what everybody be like, but then nothing happens. All that happens is this little teeny town of castle goes out in the sky and lands in the ocean. They're like, what the fuck was that? That's not a ship. And they go and they dig it out and they discover that it's some kind of recording device. And it's got strange footage on it and it appears to be an SOS message from the crew of the ambassador, the alien ambassador's ship that they have had some kind of trouble and appear to have crash landed on Mars. So immediately they get a group up to the moon and from there they're going to be jettisoning off to the to Mars to see if they can rescue the ambassador because they don't want to start a space war in space. That would be terrible. John Saxon's like, no, I'm not wearing this ridiculous jacket and getting in a wall with people from another planet. Are you fucking crazy? They don't even have banana splits in space. It was actual dialogue. He was complaining about the lack of banana splits in space. Okay, whatever. Okay, good. You know what? You can say whatever you want, John Saxon. You give good eyebrow. He does. The man gives amazing eyebrow. Let's just pause for a minute to talk about John Saxon and how fucking amazing he is. And I I love that he's still around and still working as much as he can. This guy has been a horror himbo for over 50 years now. That is amazing. My hats are off to you, John Saxon. And if you're really into it, my pants will be off for you too. Was that disgusting? Yes, it was. But you know what? I meant that in the... (laughs) I meant that in the most respectful way. Shut up! And you're probably wondering, well, what the hell is the... Where's the Queen of Blood coming? Well, you just gotta hold on, because this movie takes a very long time to even get to the point where we meet any of the aliens. It's a lot of space travel, because it's the mid-60s. This was what everybody was eating up with a spoon, so just space travel alone is interesting enough. And there's plenty of things going on here that are completely entertaining. You can actually forget about the Queen of Blood for a while because everything happening here is fabulous. Let me just stop for a moment. This movie was made on the super cheap. Surprise, Roger Corman, but even for Roger Corman, it's super cheap. The whole movie was made for $50,000. And it, surprisingly, for the most part, looks great. You know why that is? They used footage from a Russian movie. They took from a Russian science fiction movie. Everything involving space, 
or the alien planet or things like that. All these alien landscapes were all taken from this other movie. And even though it's a lot of cutouts and and matte paintings and miniatures, really obvious toy-looking miniatures, they, for what they are, look great. Unlike the American portions. Because there are parts where they are at this moon base, where they're standing out in in the moon base, in front of a window, supposedly looking at the landscape of the moon, and it's pretty much like a completely flat 2D watercolor that you picked up from the flea market on the way home from church. You know, it's sad. It's sad. All of the, and of course, all the equipment on the ship is hilarious. It's hilarious. One of the main things in this ship is this big circular orb dome thing that they keep looking in, like it's telling them something, but there's nothing in it. There is absolutely nothing in it. It looks like one of those Pop-O-Matic things from Trouble. You know, that thing? Hey, kids from the 70s, you know what I'm talking about. These other kids have no idea what we're talking about. Pop-O-Matic Trouble with its automatic dice. Shut up, you know what I'm talking about. That's what it looks like. So, space travel involves a Pop-O-Matic dice time and lots of analog, not even digital signs that just flash on the tape. Time for sleep. Lunch. It's just very funny. Then there's all kinds of you know, peril and drama getting there. You know, there's a solar flare and the ship has to crash land and another ship has to come and save them. There's a romance between John Saxon and this lovely female astronaut who I appreciated. Because one of the movies that I was considering talking about for this was um, for this whole science fiction double feature thing. One of the things I originally considered was it, the terror from beyond space, because I had heard that it was a huge influence on the original Alien. And I was so appalled by the way they treated the women astronauts in this movie. Because in it, the, the terror from beyond space, the women are astronauts and doctors and shit, but yet they also have to wear aprons and serve everybody coffee and cake all the time. Really? Really? At least this gal, she has some respect. Sure, she doesn't get a helmet most of the times like the other people. She never gets to handle a gun like anybody else. But, you know, the, the captain of the ship is also incredibly flamingly homosexual, which is infinitely entertaining. And also on the crew of this ship is a teeny tiny non-creepy Dennis Hopper. He's so cute and adorable. I'm going to look at Dennis Hopper and he gives a really sweet performance. But yeah, so there's all this space nonsense. And eventually they find the crash-landed capsule of the aliens. But there's nobody in it. We said one dead alien. But then they realize, hey, it looks like somebody took a, a, a rescue survival craft. I don't know what you call it. Forget, you know what I mean. Like the, the emergency thing. Space. The space emergency spacecraft for space emergencies was, 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 was released. And they're like, well, shit, we gotta go find that. And so when they finally find that, in it, they finally get to find the queen of blood. This beautiful but horrible green woman in a fabulous one-piece jumpsuit. And gold go-go boots. And those those bullet bras, you know, so that her boobs enter her room 20 minutes before she does. And she's got a helmet on which looks like gold curlers underneath it. She's green and she's fabulous and I love her. She's fantastic. And, you know, she's all weak and, uh, 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 but they bring her back to the ship and she seems to be okay. She can breathe her air. Wow. But they can't communicate. She doesn't speak. This woman doesn't speak at all. And she, as Woody... Listener Woody pointed out. He's like, I fucking love it. All she does is I fuck everyone. 
This actress, who is a Czech actress, a Czechoslovakian actress, whose name I now do not have in front of me, but she actually gives a wonderfully goofy but creepy performance that could be portrayed by any drag queen to a T. Just put a drag queen in this role, and you would have the an even better effect. It would have been better if it had been played by a man, because it pretty much is a drag queen at this point. Between the go-go boots and the bra and the, the, the bouffant hairdo, it's amazing. It's amazing. I said, how did that giant bouffant hairdo fit under that space cap, uh, the, the space helmet? I don't know. That's why she was wearing the curlers. Now it all makes sense. Girl got to put on curlers before she goes out for a night in space. I totally understand that. And she's, she, you know, they're trying to introduce themselves to her and tell her that she's safe. And it's three men and a woman on the ship. It's John Saxon, the gay captain, uh, Dennis Hopper, and the gal. Whose name? I don't know. I'm sorry. I wish I did. I'm sorry. I just call her the gal. But it's the one female officer on the ship. And the men are like, hello, I'm the captain. Welcome to our ship. You're safe here. And she's just looking at him like, mm. oh, mm. <gasps> no. And then the next one, she's like, oh, mm, mm, mm. she's not making any sounds. This is just the face. Just picture my face. No, mm, oh, no. oh, hi, John Saxon. Oh, your eyebrows are so extreme. Oh, hi, Dennis Hopper. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. I'm so happy to be on board. Would you like to be on board? My vagina, if you know what I mean. She's not saying anything, of course. And then it gets to the woman, and she's just like, ew. Gross! What is that? Get it from my sight. And I'm like, oh, she just threw shade on this poor lady doctor. So the queen of blood is also a huge bitch. What a surprise. And they're trying to get her to eat. She won't eat, but she likes water. That's cool, but, you know, they can't communicate with her. But they're like, we just got to get her home. She is the most important scientific find that we have ever found in the space. In space. And Bather Rasmus like, yes, you must bring her back now. I'm putting my leg up on everything. I've got both my legs up on things. And as I said that, I put both my legs up on things, and I almost knocked myself over in my desk chair. That's how excited I am to talk to you about the Queen of Blood. But why is she called the Queen of Blood, Patrick? Well, it turns out she does eat. Well, drink, really. She likes water. She likes blood. The blood of men. So they're like, well, oh shit, they wake up one day and Dennis Hopper, who was building a relationship with her and had some really nice scenes with her, is dead. Dead, dead, dead. Because it turns out when uh, she's alone with the man, all of a sudden she gets up and her eyes start to glow gold and her face really begets, gets, gets, you know, get, you know, I fucking everybody. And she's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna, I fuck you, I'm gonna mouth fuck you with my teeth in your neck and shit. And then she, then she drains his blood. And, they wake up and they're like, oh, hey, Dennis Hopper. What's, ah, you're dead, Dennis Hopper. And they're like, oh, no, but what happened? Oh, gosh, he's got this big, gauche, gross, ghoulish wound in his arm. Oh, no. And then they look at her and they're like, ah, she's laying on bed and she's bloated like a tick. She's going to be unconscious for days. She's gorged herself like a goddamn tick and now she's in a food coma. And not only that, she drank so much blood that her green jumpsuit has turned red. What? I don't know. Go with me. But they realize, well, shit, they, she's dangerous and deadly, but we still got to get her back to Earth. We'll keep her alive with the ship's blood supply. What could possibly go wrong? Absolutely everything and anything goes wrong in the meantime. And I loved the hell out of Queen of Blood just because this actress whose name I'm going to look up right now because I just cannot be this kind of podcast. Florence Marley. Her name is Florence Marley and Marley, and she gives a performance 
that is epic in its fabulousness. The outfit is fabulous. Her hair is fabulous. Her face is fabulous. Her makeup is flawless. And she eats the sexy people, including the gay captain. But, you know, she yeah, every girl has got to make a mistake sometime. You know, girl gets hungry. Girl got to eat. You got to make choices. And... It, it, she's 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 more drag queen than a drag queen. Like this movie could have been called Drag Queen of Blood, and it would have been even better. Somebody remake that. Peaches Christ, get on that right now. I'm looking at you, Peaches Christ. It is available on YouTube. It is also on Amazon Prime, and I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, it's slow getting started. It's completely silly. The science is completely jacked up. But do I care? No, because you've got a killer drag queen in it. Okay, it's not really drag queen, but it is. It totally is. I don't know what homosexual wrote this thing, but whoever you are, I love you. I love you. I love secret gay stuff in the 60s because, I mean, God, Jesus, God, bullet bras in space, go-go boots in space. Clearly, they came from a very advanced civilization <laughs> to be that fucking fabulous. Okay, you're green. I can deal with that. We can work around it. Captain Kirk fucked a green bitch. Anybody. I, you know what? I can't believe I just said that. Oh, my God. What's the matter with me? What's the matter with me? I think there is lots of gay fun to be had with the Queen of Blood. It completely lives up to the name. And unlike Planet of the Vampires, it actually had a space vampire in it. What? What? There were no vampires in Planet of the Vampires? No, not really. Not the kind of vampires I was expecting and that this movie delivered. So what Planet of the Vampires, as you will learn, makes up for in style, Queen of Blood completely overpowers you. And fabulosity. And ultimately, which is more delicious? I ask you. And if I really have to tell you the answer at this point, what the fuck have we been doing for all these years? Huh? Huh? Get it together, girl. This episode was an impromptu spree done without much pre-thought, preparation, or warning. There is no voicemail this time, and there is no email this time around. So, I believe that wraps this puppy up for another time. So, tomorrow night I'm going to be sitting down to record a session with director Nick Hunt, who is making a new super scary horror movie called Safe Place. And one of the stars of that, I believe her name is Laura Jean Mummert. And we are going to be talking about the made-for-TV movie from 1983 called Deadly Lessons. There's a strangler loose in an exclusive girls' school, and a whole bunch of your favorite people from 80s horror movies are in serious danger. Diane Franklin from Amityville 2, Renee Jones from Friday the 13th Part 6, Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club. Okay, that's kind of a horror movie, but not really. Okay, uh, Ali Sheedy from Man's Best Friend. Fine, there we go. And Bill Paxton, of course, from Aliens and and all kinds of crazy people. And we're going to have a good time. And you can watch that on YouTube. It's called Deadly Lessons, and it's super, super scary. You're going to get strangled at school, girl. Yeah. And... This Sunday, which is 
August 27th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going to be having a super duper screening of it because the Scream Queens Retro Drive-In is open again so you can watch Deadly Lessons with all of your favorite Screamer friends. And it'll be super cool. There will be a link in the Facebook page. There will be a link on the Twitter feed. There will be a link on Instagram. I hesitate to put these things up on the main page because when I do put YouTube videos up on that page, they get taken down. But we'll see what we can do. But if, hey, that makes a nice segue because if you want to contact the show for next time, we won't be doing voicemails next time because we'll have guests. But for the first show in September, you want to get your calls in early, pick up your phone and give me a call at 917-720-2047. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com or... You can find me on Facebook. Like I just said, how do you do that, Patrick? Well, you do a search on Scream Queens. The podcast where hard gets gay, and of course, that's Queens with a Z at the end. And I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens with a Z. I'm on Instagram at no TR for you. And if there's any other social media platforms, I cannot fucking handle anymore, okay? I am one little person, and I need an intern. Hey, if you want to be my intern, in all seriousness, please let me know. I need somebody to help me with social media stuff because, like I said, I'm one little person trying to do a lot of stuff. If you know how to write a, release, I mean, a press kit, please contact me because I need help. Okay, and, and and all that good stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm now begging, begging for your assistance, and it's shameless, and I don't care. And if you are super brave, if you dare, I dare you. I double dog, triple dog, dare you to become a patron subscriber over at Patreon because with a small monthly donation, you will get access to the final real feed, which means bonus episodes and bonus content all month long that you're probably never, ever going to see here. Oh, you might get a little here to tempt you over there, but you're not going to get all of it. No, you got to come over and join every- join your friends over there. Join us. Join us. What are you, chicken? Everybody's doing it. You're not cool if you don't do it. Actually, you know, you're perfectly cool, but you'll be even cooler if you do. So head on over to www.patreon.com. Scream Queen. Scream Queens. I can't even say the name of my own show. Patreon.com. Scream Queens. And subscribe so you can get more of this craziness all up in your ear business. What's coming up in September? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. I'm already preparing for the Halloween marathon. As you know, the past few Halloweens, when it gets time to the season, I will spend a week, two weeks, doing a show a day until the big night. I'm already planning guests. I'm already getting things together. And just so you know, some of the things we're going to be talking about are shopping mall. <gasps> what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Slaughter High. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And what was the other one? Oh, Ginger Snaps. Right, 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 right. Okay, yes. And it's got, that's cool. If you've got a suggestion for the Halloween Marathon, please let me know. If you are interested in being a guest on Halloween Marathon, let me know. If you know someone who'd make a great guest, or if you want to request a past guest, let me know now. Let me know now. Oh, right. I'm also doing one with Manuel Canary. We're doing a horrible Yvonne DiCarlo movie called Drop Dead, and you're going to hate it so much that you'll love it. It's terrible to the point of fucking brilliant but that's october we still gotta get through september but hey 
it's never too early to plan for Halloween. Am I right? Am I right? I heard Christmas music in a store yesterday. That's way too early. Halloween, no. You can start planning the day after, as far as I'm concerned, for the next Halloween. But, you know, that's the rules for us. We're, we're different than everyone else. And we love it that way. God damn it. So I've babbled enough. So let me just say this. Until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember that Scream Queen's golden rule, fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, or I'll kick your ass. Don't you die on me before this life movie is over. Damn. No. Queen of Blood says no. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches. <laughs>